God is very clearly moving in our service church and um, it is wonderful to be a part of that. It's just wonderful to experience that and it's wonderful to be used by God as well. This is, this is a privilege. It's not something that we ever take for granted and we praise God that he uses both men and women in our church um, to minister to our church. So uh, thank you again for being here. Thank you for being a part of this. If you're new to our church, as, as Pastor Matt said, my name is Reese. I'm the assistant pastor here at Living Hope. And I just want to take a few minutes to talk about some verses that have really been on my heart recently. Um, I actually shared them with the youth on Thursday night because the youth, um, we're doing a new series at the minute in youth called uh, Gietis. And the idea is that we want to do as Christ did. Um, we want to live our lives the way that Christ did and we want to emulate. Um, we want to um, do as Christ did on the earth. And so we're teaching some of the things that he did, some of the things that he said. And on Tuesday night, as Thursday night, sorry, as I said, I got to share um, a few these these verses, but I got about 12 minutes. And even then, the young people told me that I went over my time. So hopefully today, it won't be the same. Uh, they're complaining to me, you went over your time. It's like, I'm 12 minutes, I'm sharing three Bible verses. What do you want from me? So um, I did my best, and then we had small groups, and of course we uh, discussed it. So sorry, church, but I'll not be speaking for 12 minutes today. I'm going to take a wee bit longer um, as we tackle what these verses say. So we're looking at John chapter 15, verses 12 to 15. It says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Allow me to pray, church, and then we'll begin to study this passage together. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for what your son Jesus said to us when he was on the earth. And God, thank you that these words minister to us today. They continue to teach us new things. And God, I pray that today, through a revelation of your word, God, would our eyes be opened? Would our hearts be softened? Would our minds be enriched? Would we truly encounter the living God, would your Holy Spirit speak through me today? Father, I pray for each head that is bowed in this place. God, I pray that they indeed would encounter you. And God, I pray to say thank you that we have the freedom to gather around your word, to preach your word, and to learn from your word. It's in your son's holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. Church, the passage that I've just read there, it's a few verses, just um, three, um, three verses, and this is Jesus speaking. So Jesus is sharing in this passage, and the real theme here is the friendship of Jesus. And I actually thought it was interesting. Um, I didn't tell, tell Rebecca the theme and what I was speaking um, on today, but I thought it was interesting that Rebecca talked about how we were enemies of God previously 
And then I, I come to share this passage and Jesus calls us friends. How do we get to that? How do we get to that? Well, God sent his son, Jesus, to the earth to minister to us so that Jesus could tell us how to get to God so that we could have a relationship with God and praise God for all of the things that he names us. He names us sons and daughters. He tells us that we are to be salt. And he calls us friends. Friends of our saviour. Of the one who would go and die on the cross for us. And that's the theme of this passage. The friendship of Jesus. It says there no longer do I call you slaves. I have called you friends. Says Jesus says I have called you friends. There are two incredible statements right there. No longer do I call you slaves. And I have called you friends. Those statements are something that any believer would want to be spoken over them by the Lord of creation. The Lord of the universe to tell us you're no longer slaves. I have called you friends. Praise God for Jesus' words here. I want to highlight just a few things that Jesus says in this passage. And I'll see how I get on as time goes but I just want to highlight some things that 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 I've been taught and as I was studying this um, again I want to go a little bit deeper because there's some things in this passage that we might not see at first glance but I, I'm, I'm believing that the Holy Spirit will open open it up and teach us today because it says there this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you that's the first line and Jesus, this, this line comes as no surprise because Jesus has actually already said this in an earlier chapter. He says this in John chapter 13. So it comes as no surprise when Jesus says something like this. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. But the thing is there are still some things that we can learn from those words, from that statement. And the first one that I want to highlight is the word commandment. Because it's interesting to me that that's a strong word. It's like, it's quite a hard word. It can, it can come across as quite a harsh word. This word, commandment. And it's funny again, I was sharing on Thursday night. But do you ever get those people that kind of bark out orders or that tell you, um, they tell you what to do, they tell you to do something, but they would never do it themselves. Do you ever get those people where they're like, you need to go here and you need to collect this and you need to bring it back here. And it's like, I, you're asking me to do this, but you would never go there yourself. And, and you, know that it, you know that it's a two-man job, but you're still leaving me to do it anyway. And that's grand. I'm not talking about Pastor Matt. Why do people keep looking at Pastor? I'm not. <laughs> We do everything together. <laughs> Some people are thinking me. Listen, the first rule of leadership is delegation, okay? I have to, I have to involve other people. But yeah, you get these people in life who just bark orders. It's like that PE teacher or, or that coach that goes out and tells you to run laps. And he's like, right, keep running. Or she's like, keep running until I blow the whistle. And you think, you've never ran a day in your life. And you're telling me to do laps and laps. 
or Doc Devlin, that's a bit like him actually, I don't know if he's here, Doc Devlin, he's a football coach, so yeah, you get these people in life who, who kind of give, give these orders, who bark out commands and who, who love a bit of delegation but would never do what they're asking um, you to do themselves. But see, Jesus is almost the complete opposite to that. He's nearly the complete contradiction to that. Because when Jesus says, this is my commandment, well, there's another little statement there earlier, sorry, later in that verse that we should highlight. And it says, as I have. So Jesus is telling you that he has already done what he is asking you to do. See, Jesus isn't asking us to do anything that he himself is not willing to do. In fact, Jesus not only would go on to do what he's asking his disciples to do, he not only would go on to do what he's asking us to do, but he would do it better than anybody before him or after him would ever do it. Because you see, Christ loves better than we could ever love. And when he says, this is my commandment, and he tells us that he has loved us first, well, we know that that is truth. We know that to be true. Nobody would ever do it better than him. Nobody has ever done it better than him. You think of the people that you hold dearest in your life. Think of the people that you love the most. Jesus loves them more. He did in the beginning. Because it says that his act is first. It says that he was at the start. Because it says, as I have loved you. See, Jesus is the beginning of the love that he's teaching. That he's teaching us. You think of your closest friends. Those people that are in your immediate circle. Jesus is a better friend to them than you will ever be. And again, he pays the ultimate price for that. He pays the highest price for that. And as Rebecca shared today, what do we do to deserve that? Absolutely nothing. But we experience the grace of God. And the fact that Jesus loved us. As I have. And then we move on to another word that I want to highlight there. And it says in verse 13, greater. Greater love has no no one than this. That someone lay down his life for his friends. And again, when I was studying this verse was highlighted to me. And I just thought it was fascinating as, as I dived uh, deeper into it because it actually seems a bit confusing when you read it at first. Greater love is no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. But it's saying by using that word greater, by saying greater love, it's saying that this is superior. It's saying that this, this is the better, this is the higher, this is the greatest love. But it's interesting to me there that at the end of that verse, it says, for his friends. And it was pointed out to me as I was studying this, would a better word there, um, don't worry, we'll get, we'll get to this, but would a better word there not be enemies? Shouldn't this read, it would be a greater love 
to lay down your life for your enemies? Is that not what we're taught in other parts of the Bible? And I'm not contradicting the Bible. We will get on to this. But I think we all come to verses in the Bible and we come with preconceptions. We come with our own thoughts and our own ideas. And we don't really let passages speak for themselves an awful lot of the time. We come with preconceptions about what the author is trying to say and what even Christ is trying to say. We come with our own ideas. And I think it's good to challenge and expose those preconceptions so that we don't get lost down one track of thinking. So that we don't just say, this is what I believe, and that must be wrong because that's not, it doesn't say what I think. No, it's better to, to come at this with an open mind. So let me make the problem maybe a little bit more difficult, but as we continue to study, it'll make it clear. Um, there's another verse that we read in Romans chapter 5, verse sixes, verses 6 to 8. It says, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So there we have a description really of us at the beginning. It says that we're, we're weak. It says we're ungodly. And it says for a righteous person, somebody will scarcely die. So in other words, it says that for a righteous person, for somebody that is righteous, you, you might be willing to die, maybe. Scarcely die for a righteous person you might just be willing and then it says for a good person again one would dare to die like they'll think about it for somebody who is good you'll think about it again unlikely unlikely that that's the choice that you'll make to die for that person but if somebody's good we might think of this sacrifice of laying down our lives. But God shows his love. In verse 8 there. But God shows his love. So his love. God's love. Different to our love. Separate to our love. It's different to the love that might die for a righteous person. It's different to the love that would consider maybe dying for a good person. His love would die for those who are still sinners. Who are still sinning. You see the love of God would die for those who are his enemies. He would die for those who are still sinners who are weak, who are ungodly. That's God's love. It's superior. You see, the love of God goes up. It becomes more superior than other love because the object of his love, the object of his affection, well, it goes down. Because you see, it talks about the righteous and it talks about the good and it says that people might die for those. But then it talks about sinners. And it says that's who God would die for. 
Do you understand what I'm saying, church? So God loves the least. Therefore, his love is the most. God loves the lowest. Therefore, his love is the greatest. It is the greater love. It's the superior love. So there's one type of love that would die for a righteous person. There's another type of love that would die for a good person. But the greatest, the most divine love, dies for those who are still sinners. Praise God that we weren't left as enemies, church. We are friends. So again, you read all the truth in that verse. But again, that, that probably reinforces what I said earlier about that other passage. Because you read all it says in that verse and you think, well then surely the greatest love is that of enemies. So why does Christ say friends? Can I give you a good tip for approaching the Bible, for approaching how we read the Bible? Come at it like this. When I disagree, I'm wrong. When I think, when I read the passage and I go, I don't, I don't think that's right, I'm actually wrong. That's a good way to approach it because the Bible is infallible. It, it's never wrong. So continue to dive deeper. Ask God to reveal to you what it is saying and don't get stuck in one track of thinking. Because again, we come to this word greater and see, we often just think one dimensionally, but the Bible is a masterpiece. It's complex. It's amazing. It's, it's complex, yet it's simple. It's divine. And, and the word greater here, it's not talking about the, the object of Christ's love, which is his friends, like friends better than enemies, this person better than that person. It's talking about the act of love. It's talking about what Christ would go through in order to love. It's talking about the price that Christ paid for love. So measure greatness this way. It's a greater act of love to give somebody flowers and chocolates. It's a greater act of love to give somebody a hug or to say I love you. Or is a greater act of love to lay down one's life. You see when it says there greater love has no one than this. It's talking about how Christ laid down his life. So what this says is if you're my friend, I love you with the greatest act of love possible. Christ pays the absolute highest price imaginable in order to love us. What he says in one verse there is nobody will ever love you more than I love you because I'm willing to pay the absolute highest price for love. There's, there's no greater, there's no greater act of love than to lay down your life. So when we read these few words, lay down his life, again, we can read it a couple of different ways. And I'll explain what I mean. See, I think we see that and, and we automatically put ourselves in Christ's shoes. But you see, Christ paid the ultimate price. 
He paid the price that nobody else could ever pay. He paid the ultimate price that nobody else before him or after him could ever pay. Christ died on the cross so that we would never have to. Christ took your cross and he took my cross and he died there so that we would never have to. And because I think we approach a passage like this and we say, so if I want to love people the most, then I have to give up my life. I have to die for them. But Christ has already done that. It's the act that he's already done for you. See, we, we think that there's this hierarchy But Christ is the very beginning so that all of that is extinguished. So yes, when Christ says to lay down his life, he himself would do that. He would literally die. He would literally die for those that he would call friends. But he doesn't ask us to do that. But I wonder if we approach it just a little bit differently. And I understand this isn't literally what the verse is saying, but it's just a train of thought that I had. And you see, we talk about our friends. We talk about those we love. And what if this verse can explain to us just a little bit more? You see, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. See, I'll highlight there another few words for you. It says, for his friends. And what if, what if today, what if in this moment, you were to lay down your life in the sense that you were to get rid of the old and you were to accept the new? You see, there's people in here who come along or maybe, maybe you're brand new and you don't even know why you're here, but you just felt a pull to be here. Or maybe you've been coming along for a long time and things are just chipping away and you're just saying, at the right time. Well, what if through these verses, God is saying to you that the greatest thing that you can ever do for anybody is to give your life to him, to lay down your old life and to accept a new life. You see, we highlight the words for his friends there because I think we worry that becoming a Christian, giving our lives to Christ wholly means that we'll lose friends, but it's the best thing that we can ever do for our friends, for the people that we love. The best thing that you can ever do is accept Christ as your saviour. Lay down your life for him. The witness that you have the testimony that you have, there's no greater love than laying down your life for Christ. And there's no more important thing that we can do for anybody than to first accept what Christ has done for us. That Christ laid down his life for us. It's the single greatest act of love that anybody has ever done. And we move on there because it says, if you do what I command you. 
And again, we come to a few words that can kind of lead us in a different direction. But I want, I want to ask you a question as we look at these verses. And that is, are you a friend of Jesus? As he would describe We all want to be friends of Jesus, but again, we don't want to assume that we know what Jesus is saying when he refers to friends. What does it mean to him to be friends? So when we read these verses, it's like, okay, if we do what he says, if we, if we do what he says, then we're his friends, and then him laying down his life will count for us. So Jesus lays down his life for us, If we do what he says, that's not how it goes. That's not the order that it goes in. So that's kind of like saying, if you're you're the strong and courageous one, then you're the one that's going to get that role. See, it it doesn't work like that. If you do what Christ commands you to do, If you do what Christ commands you to do, then you confirm that you're his friend. And therefore, when Jesus laid down his life, it was for you. But the the order is different. The The first thing is like, if we are obedient, then that equals Christ laying down his life, which equals it counts for me. It doesn't work that way. Jesus says at the start that he has already loved you. And as I said earlier, he is the beginning. Therefore, doing as he commands doesn't come first. What comes first is the act of love and obedience that Christ already showed for you. It's not like do as he commands and then that's where salvation lies. It doesn't. It begins with Christ. It begins with him. And the act of obedience that he showed to his father when he laid down his life for his friends. You see, we can't earn the death of Christ for us. He gave first. So he took that right away from everybody. Our obedience to Christ to do as he commands, it's simply a recognition of what he has already done. It doesn't qualify us. It doesn't, it doesn't um, raise us in stature. When we do as Christ said, it is recognizing that he did first. That he is the beginning. And, and as, I, as I started with, again referencing what was said around the table, what a position we find ourselves in. What a position we are in. Because you see, once... We were slaves, but now we are friends. See, friendship with Jesus isn't like an ordinary friendship. We don't don't love him with the greatest act of love. He loves us with the greatest act of love, and we can't repay that. But he still calls us friends. We don't... We didn't lay down our lives for him, but he laid down his life for us so that we could call him friend. See, slaves are kept in the dark. They they don't know what their master is doing. They don't know what the head of the house is at. 
They're expected to work away, no questions asked. Yet this tells us that we know all that we need to know in order to obey his commands. We know all that we need to know in order to be friends of Jesus. You see, his commands, obeying his commands, being a friend of Jesus, it keeps us in the light. And, and what this looks like is in comparison to Christ laying down his life for us, doing as he commands feels like a light burden. It's not heavy when we consider the price that has already been paid. Doing as Christ asks us to do. It's more, than, it's more than we can ever do. If you feel like this is becoming a lot. If you feel like I'm serving an awful lot here. Or I'm giving an awful lot of my time. Or it's, it's, it's hard to keep this up. In comparison to what Christ did for you. In comparison to what Jesus did for you. Your burden is so light. And I understand that people will be going through different things. And, and um, Rebecca, when she opened today, was talking about that. I know that life is difficult. I know that it is, it is hard I understand that we go through different trials. We're promised that on the earth. But what we are also promised is the comfort of Jesus. What we are also promised is the fact that we are indeed his friends. And the thing is, when we go through these trials, when we go through these difficult times, we always have the cross to look back to. Thank you, Jesus, for taking that burden. Because your yoke is light. See, slaves are in the dark, church. We are in the light. We are in an incredible position. No longer slaves, but friends. Friends of Jesus. And again, when you go through those difficult moments in life, or when that train of thought begins to carry on and carry on this is a lot I don't know if I can keep going I don't know if I can keep doing more I hope that the fact that Christ laid down his life so that we would be his friend is enough for you to carry on see there's something that you can hold on to and you can take with you and it can go forever and the song that we close with is the song that we sang earlier. A thousand hallelujahs and a thousand more. You see, we, we, we will praise Christ in eternity because of the position that we are in. Because it began with him. Because he loved us first. So I pray today that... As, as these words have been spoken over to you. I hope that your burden feels lighter. And I hope that if you don't know Christ as your saviour. Well the invitation is there. 
lay down your old life and accept what is to come for you. See, Christ was willing to lay down his whole life so that we would have a relationship with God and we would be called friends. So I hope you accept that the highest price of love was paid by Christ on the cross for you so that God would be glorified through a relationship with you. Church, let's pray, and then we'll finish with our closing song. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all it teaches us. We thank you, Lord, that we are in a position that we could never afford to be in by ourselves. Lord, we thank you for where we are found in Christ. And Lord, I pray that today the words that have been spoken will be an encouragement. God will be strength and energy. And as we carry on through this race, God, help us in every single circumstance to praise you because of what you did first. In your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen.